Welcome to the Get Invested Podcast, where we share great conversations with experts from all walks of life to uncover their secret know-how and where they invest their time, their skills, and their money, and the benefits that this has created. You see, the truth is that everyone invests. Every minute of every day, we're investing our time, our skills, our energy, and our money in something. Some of us are investing consciously, some unconsciously, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, sometimes for no impact. Get Invested will help you to start living by design, not by default. I'm going to help you to make it happen, not let it happen. You will hear the top tips on how you can live with conscious intent so that you can live more, work less, and leave a living legacy by investing now. Listen to the show to discover the top tips on how to get started, make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately to be living your dream, not someone else's. More episodes can be found on iTunes or at bushymartin.com.au forward slash get invested. Thanks for listening. And now let's get invested. Hi, Freedom Fighters. What lies ahead for property in the year ahead? With property across Australia enjoying the highest level of growth for over 30 years in 2021, the question on everyone's lips is whether property prices are going to continue to grow And if so, where? You may be interested to hear that over the last 12 months, national average house prices have gone up by about $388 a day, which equates to over $2,700 a week, according to recent CoreLogic data. So in a complex and conflicting world of mixed messages around FOMO, housing affordability, fixed home loan rates on the rise, macro-prudential tightening measures dampening demand, the likelihood of an increase in supply with more properties coming onto the market, state and international borders opening up and inflation on the rise, how can you read the deluge of often conflicting property dynamics to be able to make informed decisions on the future of house prices by location around the country? Well, to give you some clarity through the clouds, this week, we continue our special summer series on experts' property predictions with part two of my recent chat on the Realty Talk Show where Effie Zahos, the money expert and editor-at-large from CanStar, along with Terry Ryder, who's a leading property analyst veteran and the founder of Hotspotting, where we dig into their predictions on what's in store for our capital cities. Together, they've combined to co-author CanStar's recent inaugural Rising Stars report, that you can read in full on CanStar's website at canstar.com.au. And a reminder that you can view all of these property shows in their full entirety on realty.com.au. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to Realty Talk, which is Australia's longest-running and most popular property show, which you can also hear and see on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you watch and listen. And make sure you sign up on the realty.com.au homepage to get every episode in your inbox every week. By considering this varied range of property predictions from a kaleidoscope of industry experts over the next few weeks, you'll be able to make much better informed property investment decisions in the year ahead. So enjoy the concluding part of this informative and engaging chat with Effie Zahos and Terry Ryder.
Greetings and welcome to Realty Talk, Australia's longest running and most popular property show. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance, and this week we continue our special series of shows that share a range of views from property industry leaders on what the future holds for property across the country in the days ahead, so that you can make better, fully informed property decisions in 2022. This week, we continue with part two of our Rising Stars feature that unpacks leading comparison website CanStar's recently released and inaugural Property Rising Stars report. And we're joined again by the co-authors Effie Zahos, CanStar's editor-at-large, along with Terry Ryder, the leading property analyst and founder of Hotspotting, to reveal the details and your opportunities. Following our focus on the regional Rising Stars last week, in today's show, we drill down into the capital city projections and rankings. We've got a stack of very surprising forecasts to unpack, so let's get underway. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Hi and welcome. Now, with property across Australia enjoying the highest level of growth for over 30 years, the question on everyone's lips is whether property prices are going to continue to grow. Over the last 12 months, national average house prices have gone up by about $388 a day which is over $2,700 a week, according to recent CoreLogic data. So in a complex and conflicting world of mixed messages around FOMO, housing affordability, fixed home loan rates on the rise, macroprudential tightening measures dampening demand, the likelihood of an increase in supply with more properties coming onto the market, state and international borders opening up and inflation on the rise, how can you read the tea leaves to be able to make informed decisions on the future of house prices by location around the country. To switch your vision from trying to drive forwards while constantly looking through the rear vision mirror of most past-driven property data, CanStar has teamed up with Hotspotting to produce data-driven future forecasts in their great inaugural Rising Stars property report to give you a better sense of what the future holds for property around the country. To deep dive into this compelling Rising Stars report in part two of our Realty Talk special, the focus is now on our eight capital cities. We're joined by report authors, Effie Zahos, the money expert and editor-at-large from CanStar, along with Terry Ryder, leading property analyst and the founder of Hotspotting. Welcome back to the show, Effie and Terry. Hello, Bushy and Terry. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. Uh, I'm sort of really looking forward to this second part after the, the deep dive we did around the regional areas. But Effie, to start off by putting things in context, can you paint a picture of the macro level drivers that are likely to influence on property markets moving forward, particularly over the next 12 months? 
Well, you hit quite a few of them in your intro there. You actually made me very nervous too. I felt like I've got to go out and buy a property, that (laughs) fear of missing out, which is what we don't want people to do. But if there was one asset class that really kind of defied logic in that regard, that was pandemic proof, if I can say that, it it was property and it is property. Um, And the the growth has been quite scary. So I can definitely understand that um, that fear of missing out and people wanting to, to jump in. But look, with any asset class, it's important that you do do your research right. It's important that you take the time to have a look and see what are you jumping into. And the biggest rule is that, you know, you never, never try and time this market or in any market. It's basically trying to stay in it by well. And this is really where this report came out from. I've known Terry from Hotspotting for a long time. And what Terry does well is his research. And what we wanted at CanStar is that we wanted, I guess, combine our data that we know well on interest rates, on costs, and merging that with Terry's insight. So we all kind of put our heads together and thought, what does a consumer need when they're doing their research? And this Rising Star report really does suit people. For those that are looking to maybe buy their first home, because there are huge variances in prices here, that's a good thing. Um, And upgrading or downgrading on maybe even buying their first investment property. Um, This report caters to to that market. It's not a first-home buyer's report, although the prices, there are some kind of low-level entry areas here that you could definitely jump into, of course. Um, But it's basically an all-rounder to kind of narrow down the research here. So the the thing about buying a place is like, well, where do I look? Because now we know we actually don't have to just stay in the cities. We can go to regionals or maybe you want to explore another suburb. So this looked at metrics that are forward thinking. Um, And so what Terry did is that uh, we we break this, broke it down to 14 jurisdictions, eight capital cities, six regional um, uh, uh, states and territories. And we looked at the potential growth for next year. And to do that, we looked at five key metrics. And all these key metrics have a role in what they do as far as growth, what it does to the actual price of a property. A sales volume, quarterly price growth, vacancy rates, rental growth, and the big one as far as I'm concerned, infrastructure spending. So that were the five metrics that we looked at, and that's how these places were ranked, and we came up then with our 110 rising stars. These are basically suburbs that have potential for growth. Um, and I think what Terry's done very well here is uh, he's done all the hard work for us. So <laughs> thanks, Terry. Um, and then what we've merged here as well is then, okay, well, what will it cost to buy in that suburb? Assuming you're not getting any kind of first-time owner grants or stamp duty exemptions, what's the full cost of jumping in and buying that property in that suburb? And then also what would the repayments be on certain scenarios? So hopefully it provides the consumer with a really handy guide as to, well, I want to buy, where can I buy, what can I afford, what is it going to cost me? Yeah, brilliant, very timely. Well, before we drill into the details with Terry around the nation's capitals then, Effie, can you refresh us on what are the key headline findings from the report? 
Look, for, for me, the surprise element, although we were seeing this over the past 12 months, is just what's happening in the regional areas. So, you know, in the top three spots, we had regional areas, regional New South Wales, regional Queensland, um, regional WA. Um, Sydney came in, actually, as the top one when you're looking at uh, uh, cities. But the uh, that regional um, kind of um, growth surprised me that that's still happening, that they kind of took the top spots in those metrics to come into those top three places. And as I alluded to before, I was pleasantly surprised to see that there was a variation in pricing here because, let, you know, let, let's call it what it is. It's not easy. The affordability is one of, um, you know, is the thing that's stopping people from jumping into the property market. So it was pleasing to see that based on these metrics, uh, Terry at Hotspotting was able to find these suburbs that are reasonably priced. Yeah, brilliant. Now, Terry, to sort of reset the scene for those who haven't watched part one of this special series uh, in the battle between the eight capital cities and the six regional areas, uh, how have they ranked as a summary uh, one-liner in terms of future capital growth from top to bottom, if you don't mind? Well, uh, regional New South Wales was number one, Queensland number two, Western Australia regional number three. Then the first of the capital cities was Sydney at number four. Then we had uh, Canberra coming in at number five. Um, and then um, let me refer to my Darwin. Might surprise a few people. It surprised me a little bit, number six. But uh, then uh, Darwin has been rising strongly over the last 12 to 18 months. And Perth, number seven, similar. Um, I probably expected um, Brisbane to be to rank a little bit higher than Darwin and, and Perth, but on our metrics, that's the way it panned out. Um, then we had uh, Brisbane and Adelaide um, ranking lower than we expected, but again, probably victims of their own success over the last three or four years, regional Victoria and Melbourne and, and Hobart and, and regional Tasmania are down towards the bottom and regional South Australia last, but still um, because... And this is one of the key points of this report that um, you can you can rank last and still be uh, a place where there's booming property markets because that's the kind of market we're in in Australia at the moment. Regional South Australia ranked 14th and last, but there's still plenty of markets there that are very very strong with rising prices. Yeah, yeah very optimistic outlook. So drilling into the capital cities with the focus of uh, this special, uh, why are the capital cities being overshadowed by regional area growth prospects? Do you think? Well, I think uh, the dominant trend in Australian real estate at the moment, um, in fact, I think the, the most impactful trend in the 21st century so far is the one I call the exodus to affordable lifestyle. In simple terms, that's it. It's, uh, we've seen Sydney and Melbourne both losing population for a number of years to what we call internal migration, people moving to other places, and it's all about affordability and lifestyle uh, driven by technology and the ability to work remotely. Um, and it's, it's something that's predated the pandemic. It's been given extra legs, greater momentum by the pandemic, but um, that's the most powerful force. And it's about um, people being able to buy affordably. You know, a scenario that's quite common is someone selling a million dollar home in a big city and buying a home of comparable standard for half the price and having money left over in a wonderful lifestyle area, maybe somewhere not too far from the, the capital city, but somewhere that just offers that more relaxed lifestyle, maybe coastal, maybe hill change. Um, it, it's very widespread um, and we're seeing um, locations that um, appear, appear to have nothing really driving growth, achieving fantastic property prices relative to what was normal in the past, 
because uh, they offer affordability and lifestyle. Yeah, okay. So you, you mentioned Sydney and the, the population leakage that's leaching out of Sydney into the regions, but Sydney, uh, surprisingly to me, has still been ranked fourth overall and the highest ranked capital city, which seems to fly in the face of everything a lot of economists are telling us. So why is this, Terry? Well, yeah, I think I think one of the reasons is that the economists are talking through the hat. They don't really understand real estate dynamics terribly well. That's why their forecasting is so often so terribly wrong. For example, in March, April last year, they're all forecasting a collapse in property prices. And what we've had is something quite the opposite to that. Um, and yes, you, they reported on that, Terry. So be care, be kind to me here. <laughs> absolutely, but um, and in Sydney, you're right. I mean, it's defied what um, might be considered normal metrics here. It's been losing population to internal migration, and the thing that's been giving Sydney population growth for so long. Uh, Overseas migration has been turned off. So how come this property prices are rising? I think it, you know, it comes down to the, you know, the inherent strength in the Sydney economy, the ongoing big spend on infrastructure generating jobs and uh, economic activity, and out of that comes demand for real estate, um, and just just the wealth that's inherent in Sydney. Sydney is, is a place, you know, it's a global city. It, you know, it ranks these days on a par with the New Yorks and the Londons and places like Paris. Um, it's, it's a truly global city with lots of wealth and lots of success there, and um, it, that's allowed it to continue to produce um, property growth. Um, one of the big factors in all of this that's, that's never talked about, and, I mean, I've got 16 dot points on my list of reasons why we're in this property boom, and some of them are difficult things to fit into an economic model. One of the biggest things is that we've been going through times of great fear and uncertainty because of the pandemic and the media response to all that. We're, we're told to expect a, a deep and long recession and high unemployment. None of that's actually happened, but people have been fearful and uncertain, and in those times people retreat to what they know to be safe and solid and certain, and that's bricks and mortar, and I think that's been a big, big factor driving this, amongst other reasons. Yeah. yeah, totally agree. You know, I, I think the other thing that uh, we, we often overlook is that we're going through a period of very, very limited supply, very, very few property listings. Yeah. Uh, and when we've poured petrol on uh, the, the fire in terms of the stimulus money in the system, the yeah. fact that people can't go overseas, so they're war testing and saving their monies and, and the lowest ever interest rates, put that, that supply-demand equation together and all of a sudden you can see very strong demand in, in those sort of capital city locations. So yeah. uh, any standouts in, in Sydney as you see it, Terry? Look, I, I think you've just actually touched on one of, one of the big factors. You know, we'll refer to um, a number of times in our discussions to um, real estate being pandemic-proof and defying the pandemic. Um, what I think to be true is that real estate hasn't risen despite the pandemic, it's actually arisen because of the pandemic. And you referred to one of the factors there, that people have been in lockdown and unable to travel overseas have been saving a lot of money and people have been putting that into either renovations or um, into real estate investment. And that's been a big factor. We've also had expats coming back from real estate hotspots, uh, sorry, COVID hotspots overseas, creating real estate hotspots in Australia. Um, and Sydney's been one of them, certainly. Um, but the uh, city is ranked very highly on a number of our metrics. Um, it's actually ranked very lowly on vacancy rates and rentals, but all the others, it was right in sort of the top four and the other metrics. Uh, sales volumes have been very strong. Price growth um, in the recent quarter has been very strong. Infrastructure spending is a massive influence. 
Um, you might recall that um, in, from 2013 to 2017, there was a big boom in Sydney and Melbourne. didn't happen anywhere else in Australia at yeah. that time. It didn't happen in Brisbane, Perth and Darwin were going backwards. The infrastructure spend, I think, was the big reason. It really pumped up those economies and therefore their property markets because both Sydney and Melbourne were spending tens of billions of dollars on major, major infrastructure at that time, and they still are. It's ongoing in Sydney, and that's one of the reasons why Sydney has continued to be so strong. We've got the, the big airport at Badgerys Creek coming up. We've got multiple upgrades to, to motorways. We've got tunnels being drilled. We've, you know, there's... We've got universities and hospitals being built and expanded. And there's tens and tens of billions of dollars being generated in the Sydney economy um, at a time when it really needs it right now with the, with the lockdown impacts. And so it's allowed Sydney's economy to remain strong. And out of that has come a property market which has defied everything that the pandemic has been able to throw at it. Yeah, but any further comments, Effie, uh, on your read on the, the Sydney yeah. equation? Well, look, we just need to look at uh, where Sydney market prices are sitting now and where they're going to finish up double-digit returns. And as you both alluded to, the amount of wealth in property. Um, and also just one other element we haven't touched up, the, the, the fact that people have seen their equity increase in their property and also that low supply, as you were talking about, Bushy, that's a key driver, uh, low stock. Um, and, and the number of parents also jumping in over the past couple of years, when you look at that data, helping their kids, uh, you know, buy property because they've got that wealth within their own property. So there's a whole lot of factors here that, um, you know, enable Sydney to, to, you know, stay in that top position. Yeah, yeah no, very well said. That's a very important point there for, you know, the flip side of the affordability crisis first home buyers is that their parents... Yeah. Um, if you're lucky have, enough to have them. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to have that support, yes, it's yeah. not, it's not yeah. the case for everybody, but no. the, the ability for the, the older generations to help their uh, descendants is, has been increased by these property booms. Uh, so that's a factor. But what stands out for me in our selections for Sydney um, is that um, most of the locations on our, on our top 10 list have a degree of affordability about them and yeah. by Sydney standards. Um, you know, some of them are places with the median prices above a million dollars, but there's very few of the, the really top, you know, the, many, many suburbs in Sydney have, um, you know, three, four, five million dollar median prices. We, most of the places on our list are, um, sort of below 1.5 million. So I think Sydney buyers have been seeking out those areas that are good areas, but um, you know perhaps have a greater level of affordability by Sydney standards, like Sutherland Shire, for example. Wonderful lifestyle there, great suburbs, but relatively cheap by Sydney standards. Well, your prices, the prices range here from six hundred and fifty thousand. We're looking at uh, uh, Sydney here to what just over 1.36 million. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's a big range, and and and, and relatively, if you look at that from an affordability perspective, that there's still uh, areas clearly that uh, people can get into. Now that's yeah. great. So let, let's let's shift to Canberra then, uh, uh, Terry. Uh, you've described it as the Goldilocks of Australian property, and it's come in fifth overall and and second of the major capitals. Uh, I guess the obvious question: Why do you refer to it as the Goldilocks area, and and why is it ranked so highly? 
Well, that's the old uh, porridge analogy. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. This is Canberra <laughs> always. I mean, Canberra's so steady and consistent. It's boring. And it's because it's got this unfair advantage as the, the national capital and the purpose-built city. You know, it's always got the lowest unemployment in the land. It's always got the highest average income in the land. <laughs> Sorry, Tara's going to say nice wages in Canberra too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's usually got some of the lowest vacancy rates. Um in, in the nation as well. You know, it's got this, what I call the unfair advantage, and it's always steady. It seldom seems to have outrageous booms, but it never busts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's kind of, it's not, hasn't ranked number one. It's kind of there, middle of the road, number five overall in the nation. Yeah, that's that's typical Canberra. Um, and it's also, you know, it's a place where you've got this this evenness of pricing. That there's actually really no really cheap areas. Most of our capital cities, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, um, they've, they've all got really, really cheap places um, where, where people can buy at the bottom of the market. Um, and then you've got your, your market areas. But uh, Canberra doesn't really have that. Everywhere is, um, um, there's probably nowhere that's under 600,000 in, in Canberra for houses. Um, yeah. So it's quite an expensive city. Um, but at the same time, the people living and working there have the, the highest incomes in the nation on average. So, and unemployment is always so low, low. So, um, you know, people are able to afford it in those terms. Yeah, well, that being the public sector and government centre of the uh, of the the nation that sort of underpins that sort of uh, steady uh, and incrementally growing income that uh, then then supports the, the property side of the equation. So, you know, it's interesting. So it, let, let's turn to Darwin then, Terry, which has grabbed third spot amongst the capitals and sixth spot overall after spending nearly a decade in the doldrums, if you, as mm. you mentioned before. Why is this, do you think? Well, it's, it's really in a, in a major recovery phase um, uh, and a number of factors are feeding into that. The resources sector has improved. Um, the state government has been proactive in trying to generate business and uh, economic activity and has succeeded to a certain degree. Um, it's got that lifestyle factor and climate factor. I mean, um, and it's also got, um, even though right now as we speak, they've got a few problems with COVID, um, but up to this point, they've actually kept, a lid on it really, really well. And uh, one of the things anecdotally that we were hearing about was that people out of, say, Melbourne were actually buying and moving up to Darwin, getting the hell away from lockdowns and going to a place where the climate, you know, throughout the winter is really warm and and the lifestyle is is more relaxed. So those have all been factors um, feeding into Darwin's economy and therefore its property market. We've seen vacancy rates, which used to be high, come down to below 1%. Rents are rising strongly, more so than most parts of Australia, and sales activity has picked up. There's been a high level of support from the Northern Territory government to first-home buyers, uh, lots of support, and also to buyers of other sort. There's been um, incentives for people to build a new home, whether you're a first-home buyer or not. Those sorts of things have also been influential for Darwin. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so now uh, moving to the west and looking at Perth being ranked number four of the major capitals and seventh overall, and it appears to be back on a growth path. Uh, what's your read of what's happening in the west? Again, uh, control of the pandemic's been big. Um, they've kept the letter pretty well. Very bloody-minded about keeping their borders closed, but probably the locals support it. Um, their economy has been much stronger than in recent years because the resources sector has come back strongly and the Perth property market is very interlinked with the resources sector prosperity, makes it a little bit vulnerable 
a little bit prone to booms and busts, but right now it's 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 a recovering and rising market. And because uh, it's been preceded by six or seven years in the doldrums, the pricing is, is really attractive. You know, it's a great buying opportunity in terms of value for money um, because um, right now, according to some other organisations' metric, it's the most affordable capital city in Australia in terms of, uh, you know, buy what prices are relative to incomes, etc. So it, it's an opportunity for investors as well to buy to buy well at good prices in a market that's rising and has good future prospects. And there are some parts of the the Perth market where you can buy houses uh, and suburbs with medium prices still in the two hundred thousands and plenty in the three hundred thousands, including some some Bayside areas like down around Rockingham. You know. Amazing buys, really. There's not many capital cities where you can buy in a Bayside suburb in the 300,000, but Perth does offer that. And most, yeah, of the, most of the suburbs in Perth are sitting around that three to 400,000 mark. I think there was only one that was above 1.2 million, um, but actually the majority were three to four. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, very affordable in the context of what's happening elsewhere. Now, somewhat surprisingly, Terry, Brisbane has ended up in the bottom half of the overall rankings at number eight, despite securing the uh, 2032 Olympics. Uh, what's your read on this? Yeah, what I would say is that if we do the reporting in six months' time, Brisbane will rank higher. You know, it's, it's only just starting to deliver on the potential that's inherent in what's happening in Brisbane. But at the time that we sat down to do the report, it hadn't yet delivered. It was, you know, Brisbane's at the beginning of a, a 10-year growth phase, and you mentioned the Olympics. That That's influential, but it's not the only factor. Brisbane was rising anyway. It was starting to rise because of an elevated infrastructure spend, because of the affordability comparison with the big cities, the population data, which is driving um, more and more people moving to to Queensland, including Brisbane. Um, so all of those factors were in play and then the announcement of the Olympics has come along and uh, suddenly everyone wants to buy a piece of Brisbane. So um, when we do the next edition of this report, I'm quite certain that Brisbane will rank a lot higher. But at this point in time, it hasn't flowed through fully yet to its metrics. But even having said that, Terry, I think the beauty about this is that the suburbs in Brisbane, if you are wanting to buy in Brisbane, the ones we've got there have got that potential for growth. So, you know, it's actually a good time to be jumping in if you can afford those areas that... Um, yeah. 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 yeah, I think so. I mean... Annalee there, Paddington, Eagleby, yeah. I mean, Brisbane, you know, in, in very broad general terms, the pricing is about half that of Sydney and maybe... Um, not, not quite so cheap relative to Melbourne, it's still much uh, more affordable. And, and that's very, very appealing to people moving from those bigger cities, which they are doing at the moment. Um, Queensland is the biggest recipient of um, in net terms of internal migration. And um, a certain number of those are going to Brisbane and southeast Queensland, which um, and just, just offers a different lifestyle, a more relaxed lifestyle than the bigger cities at a much more affordable prices. Uh, with bayside areas and riverfront areas, and um, yeah, you know the days when Brisbane used to be um, jokingly referred to as a, a big country town have long since passed into history. It's become a you know a wonderful lifestyle city, and I think that's been actually um, charted through a series of major events: um, the, the Commonwealth Games in the eighties, Expo eighty eight, uh, hosting the uh, the G um, something or other, you know, big global. A political event, um, 
G7 maybe in 2014, and now we've got the Olympics taking it to another level again. So Brisbane really is, um, you know, I don't live in Brisbane, but I'm not far away, and we often go to Brisbane just to enjoy the lifestyle that Brisbane now offers, cafe culture, um, yeah, wonderful art exhibitions, all of that that Brisbane didn't used to have and now does, and it's just all, all part of the mix that's driving people to want to come and live there. Yeah, I love it. Now, we're talking of big country towns uh, and the best kept secret in the country, I believe, and that's my hometown of Adelaide. Uh, that comes in next at uh, the sixth ranked capital and is placed ninth overall. Yeah. Uh, what's your read of what's likely to happen in Adelaide and yeah. why, Terry? I would say similar things about Adelaide that I just said about Brisbane, that when we next do this report, it will rank higher, I'm quite sure. It's just beginning to realise its potential, but it hasn't yet flowed through fully to the metrics. Um, that we were using. Adelaide has always been underrated and still is. Um, It's been regarded as a a low-growth city in terms of its economy and population. That's changing. Um, um, Adelaide has, you know, a little bit like Tasmania, um, Adelaide has got a little bit tired of being regarded that way and it's decided to go out and grab a piece of the action. And one of the the pieces that it's grabbed very, very um, successfully is it's become the Silicon Valley of Australia. It's the high-tech innovation capital of Australia. Mm -hmm. So we've got big global organisations moving their headquarters um, to not Sydney or Melbourne but to Adelaide who are in that space, like Elon Musk with his Tesla battery thing is one example. There's many others. Technicolor, the big organisation that helps to make movies, yeah. for as long as movies have been made in colour. They've set up their headquarters for Australia in Adelaide. So that's what's driving Adelaide's rise, and I think it's going to continue because technology is so important to uh, future economic growth in this country and the world, and I think Adelaide's going to become more and more important. Right now, it's a wonderful buy, great value for money. What you would um, have to pay $1.5 million for in Sydney or Melbourne, you can buy for Five or six hundred thousand in Adelaide, and that's that's the key factor. Yeah, any standout areas in Adelaide that are worthy of mention? Look, there's. Um, I like uh, the city of Marion. Um, it's, it's got university, big hospital precinct, and the Tonsley Innovation Precinct, which is the heart and soul of what's happening in Adelaide. That's one that stands out. Um, there are other areas. Uh, the Port Adelaide Enfield Precinct's important. Onkaparinga down in the far south. Lifestyle area where you can buy houses in the three or four hundred thousands in Bayside suburbs or suburbs next to the McLaren Vale Wine District. And that's the kind of thing that Adelaide offers at incredibly low prices relative to the big cities. Yeah, yeah, good reading. That, that's uh, my area. So I uh, love the Flurio. It's a beautiful part of the world. Now, um, Melbourne's a long way down the list as the seventh of the eight capitals and 11th overall. So what's the story here for Australia's second biggest city, Terry? Yeah, I mean, some of the metrics that we used um, um, reflect poorly for Melbourne, particularly the vacancy rates in Melbourne, for example, the highest in capital city Australia. They're coming down, but they're still higher than we're comfortable with, and particularly the inner city areas. And that's reflected also in rentals, which haven't risen to the degree that they have in other uh, parts of Australia. So um, Melbourne sort of is marked down on some of those key metrics. Um, it'll be interesting to see what it does next year as it sort of you know, emerges from lockdown. I mean, it's been described as the most lockdown city in the world in terms of the pandemic. That That's had an impact for Melbourne. Um, it's done remarkably well considering. I mean, it's still producing pretty good price growth. 
but sales activity is down because of the restrictions. Vacancies are higher than we'd like them to be and rents aren't growing as much as other areas. Um, but again, I think um, when we do this report again, maybe in a year's time, Melbourne's probably going to be ranking higher because there's a big infrastructure um, spend in the background. Um, there's a lot of big projects like the airport rail and the suburban rail loop that's still being talked about but haven't really come into play yet. Um, so I think Melbourne's going to perform better in the future. And the other big factor is the opening of international borders, allowing international students to come back in and overseas migrants. But that hasn't happened yet. So um, we get to feel that. Um, so Melbourne currently ranking a little bit low, but in the future, I think it'll rank higher. Yeah, okay. Now, after several years of quite major price growth, the recent doyen of property around the country being Hobart and Tassie has tipped to come off uh, and is actually the last of the capitals and second to last overall. So what's your read on why this is the case? Well, um, it's had, I say, four great years um, as being leading Australia on price growth and it's still up there on, on prices um, to the degree that it was previously the cheapest capital city for houses, and now it's one of the most expensive, uh, more expensive than um, Perth, Adelaide and Darwin and on a path Brisbane. Uh, but it's past its peak on all the metrics that we look at, particularly in sales volume, which is one of the metrics for this report. Um, we've seen a tapering off of sales activity. Um, you, you, know, you can't continue at those boom time levels forever, and they've had um, at least four strong years, but now starting to to come off a bit. And uh, so that's the main factor that's uh, resulted in the relatively low ranking uh, for Hobart after um, being so successful for so long. Yeah, great. So that's a, a really good wrap on uh, what's happening across all of the capitals. Uh, Effie, can I get your comments then on your key takeaways uh, that you've included in the Rising Stars report? Yeah, look, I think, like I said, report is a great entry to doing your research when you're buying a property. And um, there's always going to be great interest in um, property. We all need a roof over our head. I think the most important thing is use this data, have a look at it, have a look at the costs that are in there, because that's the big thing moving forward. We know record uh, interest rates are at record lows. We know they're only at record lows now because of the pandemic. Um, and then you can bet your bottom dollar as the economy uh, improves, which it is, um, and we're looking at these inflationary pressure the turnaround that monetary policy is going to be pretty fast. So we're going to be seeing rates rise, you know, 1%, 2% quite fast. Um, and, and when you see that and you look at these prices, you've got to realise that, well, my mortgage repayments are going to go up by that 2%. On an average mortgage of, say, 570 that's going to add on another $600 per month. So you do not want to get yourself into that mortgage stress. The good news is a lot, we were talking earlier about all that wealth being built up, a lot of mortgage holders, the older ones in that, when I mean older ones have had their mortgage for a long time, have got that buffer in there, if not two to three years, which is great, of, of extra repayments. That, that, that produces that cushion that you need. For the new borrowers, unfortunately, you probably won't have that. So, you know, you've really got to take care, especially if you're jumping into the property market now, to know what you are, you know, what you can afford. As far as interest rates, look, I'm seeing CanStar data, you know, around about 33 lenders have decreased their rates, 37 have increased their fixed rates. 
I get why fixed rates are moving up now. Cheap lending from the RBA has stopped for the banks. There's no excuse for variable to be going up at, at the moment. So make sure you're on a good deal. And if you're about to buy a property, you know, um, uh, take care. And even if you are thinking of locking in, get a rate lock facility. A couple of hundred dollars guarantees that the rate you were quoted at the application will be the same rate when you go and, uh, you know, settle on your property and sign up for it. So it's for me, the, the, the end of the story here is that um, I'm so glad that we have have this great report out there for you to start your research. Just take care of what you're actually borrowing and make sure that you uh, don't overcommit. Yeah, beautifully uh, said. Some great insights, Terry, and some very sage advice there, uh, Effie. So uh, I want to thank you both for sharing the details and the very insightful observations from your Rising Stars report. And thanks again for joining us on the show today. You're most welcome. Thanks, guys. Well, if you're looking to get clarity and comfort out of the complex confusion to make better informed property decisions over the next 12 months, and you want to know what's likely to be happening where, make sure you have a read of CanStar's Rising Stars Property Report, which you can read in full at canstar.com.au forward slash Rising Stars Report. And as you've already heard, it's a wide-ranging forecast report that gives you a number of must-read perspectives to guide your future property decisions. So stay with us for more here on Realty Talk. Property depreciation is the natural wear and tear of a building and its assets. Property investors can claim depreciation as a tax deduction each financial year. Depreciation is a non-cash deduction. This means you don't need to spend any money in order to claim it. On average, BMT tax depreciation find residential investors almost $9,000 in first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300-728-726 today for an obligation-free quote. Welcome back. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this concluding part to our CanStar Rising Star special series. Before we wrap things up, let me summarise my key takeaways on next year's capital city opportunities. As Effie and Terry so well outlined, Sydney, surprisingly, is tipped to be the highest ranked capital city in the year ahead, despite the fact that it defies everything that economists are telling us that should happen in the housing market. This is followed by Canberra, which Terry refers to as the Goldilocks of the Australian real estate scene. It's not too cold, it's not too hot, but just right. Third in next year's capital ranking, rankings is the Darwin market that has been doing it quite tough for much of the past decade. Prices in many suburbs throughout the Darwin metro area are still actually lower than they were 10 years ago, but the good news is that recovery is now well underway. Moving next in the capital city rankings is Perth, which has actually been the most volatile market of the state and territory capital cities. But after several years in the doldrums, Perth is back on a growth path. It hasn't yet delivered growth at the same levels as other capital cities, but it is recording price uplift at a level that would in normal times be considered boom-type growth. Now, interestingly, Brisbane is actually in the bottom half of the rankings coming in eighth overall for 2022, despite the fact that it secured the 2032 Olympics. However, longer term, the CanStar report confirms its prospects are actually very good and it's eventually likely to become one of the strongest markets in the nation. Next comes Adelaide, which CanStar and Hotspotting predict will continue to be one of the nation's most consistent markets. The Festival City continues to be a safe place to own real estate and increasingly 
as a market likely to deliver really good capital growth. We're yet to see the full impact on prices and rents from rising sales volumes and very low vacancy rates at this stage. And based on Terry's analysis, Adelaide's likely to transition from solid to spectacular growth in the near future. Can't wait to see that. And last on the capital city ladder, Hobart appears to have passed the peak of its growth phase after several years of strong capital growth. I hope this has well and truly whet your appetite. And to get all of the details of the top predicted suburbs and locations in each area around the country, make sure you have a read of CanStar's Rising Stars property report that you can find at canstar.com.au forward slash rising stars report. Another big thanks to our special guests, Epi Zahos and Terry Ryder, for sharing their generous pearls of wisdom. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show, and in fact, will be our last show for 2021. So I want to take this opportunity to wish you and your families all the compliments of the festive season. A quick reminder that you can see all of our shows at realty.com.au. And while you're there, make sure that you check out one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agents nationally. Thanks again to realty.com.au and BMT Tax Depreciation for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. And after a quick break for the next two weeks over Christmas and New Year's, We'll be back on Saturday, the 8th of January with more property predictions on what's promising to be a very exciting year ahead. On behalf of Kevin Turner and the entire Realty family, let me thank you personally for your support and we look forward to bringing you the best of the best in property in 2022. To get a summary of all this investment gold in the show notes, just email me on hello at khgroup.com.au. H-E-L-L-O at khgroup.com.au or check us out at www.bushymartin.com.au forward slash get invested. I look forward to joining you next week for another episode of the Get Invested podcast. So thanks for listening and as always, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die forever.